stay tuned now for Pomo Perspective with Michael Hunter. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Hey, hey, how you doing? Pretty good, recovering and celebrating our successful pledge drive last week. We're so grateful for everybody who called in to support our fundraising efforts for our new building in Ukiah. It's awesome. How much did you raise? We raised over $150,000 in 12 days. We got to end three and a half days early. Wow. I know. It makes you feel totally excited wow. about what our community is supported. capable of. You feel supported. Totally. Right on, community. Why do you step your game up? Thank you. Mm-hmm. So where are we starting? Well, um, I do not really know what's going on with Jackson State. Do you have an update for us? I was thinking about that, and maybe we should start with a recap on where when we first started for all the new listeners we have. I believe we started in February. We started doing some rallies. I called them walks in the forest because I wasn't sure how many people would really show up. And I didn't want to call it a rally. And there's only 10 or 20 of us, right? So I didn't want to set myself up to be embarrassed. So I went and called them walks in the forest. And the first day we had 75 people or more. And I was surprised, and it like gives you this lift of confidence you never had in your life before with so much support like that. And then the second day, we were over 100. I was like, wow, wow. And we were having a lot of people um, open up and share their personal stories and healing moments. And at that point, I changed them over to cultural gatherings, spiritual cultural gatherings, because I could tell that it became more than just a protest, more than just a movement. It was actually connecting with the land. And Michael, where were you, where were you bringing people? So, you know where Casper is along the coast? Yeah. Well, there's a parking lot very close to there called the Jackson. The Jackson. What the heck is it called? Oh, the is Jug it, Handle uh, Reserve Parking. So we'd all meet there, and then we would caravan up this road 409 up to the Casper 500 area. It's this particular area where a lot of people bike ride hike and it seems to be one of the most loved because it's probably the most visited i would imagine so then we headed up there and we started doing a lot of singing and prayers and and uh beautiful moments and then we would head to this clear-cut area so we could show the people what's really happening in this forest and we're talking acres and acres and acres and of, of course there's verbiage that makes it legal now we disagree with all of that but they have the verbiage that makes it legal in their minds. So they continue to do what they want to do. And so we wanted to bring awareness to let everybody know that we can no longer be clear-cutting in this day of age, right? Like we talk about having electric cars. Well, let's stop logging the forest, right? Let's stop doing the bad things that we do and then work on the stuff that we could get better on as well. We could do both. We should be able to not log the oldest force we have in California. And just those of you that don't know, Jackson Demonstration State Forest is the largest state forest in California, over 50,000 acres, all in Mendocino County. Think of that. And our representatives are absent. They claim to be environmental friendly, environmental uh, progressives, but yet they didn't show up to one of those rallies. We had four out there. And then we had a bunch of Pomo dance groups. We had Round Valley Feather Dancers. We had, we had uh, some Point Arena singers. It was a beautiful moment. And we realized that maybe we do have a movement. So we decided to take our movement to Ukiah because we couldn't get Senator McGuire, Assemblyman Wood, 
or Congressman Huffman to put some boots on and get out in the outdoors. I told him I'd even give him a bike. Whatever I got to do to get him out there, I'd feed them. I, we did. We put food out there for everybody, everything you could think of. And they still didn't show. So we put over, we sent out, we put out uh, to get an initiative signed, not an initiative, a petition signed, um, demanding that no more logging until we get until we get a co-management deal with, between the tribe and the state so we could decide how we're going to move this project forward. And we stuck with it. And we said, we want this moratorium before you start logging again. Well, our representatives didn't show up again in Ukiah. And I've never heard of a politician that doesn't want to show up when there's a couple hundred people there and in your favor. You claim to be a progressive Democrat, environmental friendly, but yet your actions, they're just absent. I don't even know what they are, to be honest. So we delivered over 3,000 signatures, wet signatures from this district to let them know that this isn't an online petition. This is from your own constituents, and I still haven't heard back from them. Is that wild? Yeah, I don't even, it still trips me out. You know, because I see, I watch social media, and I see them talking to groups of 5, 10, 15. And I'm like, bro, we got you over 200 in your back, right in your doorstep to your office. Anyways, so the Ukiah one went great. We, we marched our petition over there. Didn't, they didn't really pay attention much, didn't seem like. And so we decided we're taking our movement to Sacramento. And... That's a big leap. Can you get enough people to Sacramento on a weekday to let the people know in the capital where we come from? That's a big ask of ourselves. That was a big commitment. And our community, our environmental community, our Native American community stepped up like you wouldn't believe. We had over 400 people. There was over 400 at all times. But... We, we had about 600 and something. And I know this because we had signups on our Pomo land back. So we have all the people coming to sign up, all the new signups. So we actually ran numbers. And we're like, wow, wow, this is amazing. I didn't realize how great of a turnout and participation there was because I was in my own story. You know, when you're emceeing the event, you're kind of focused on the next play. And uh, shoot, man, I couldn't believe it. We were at the Capitol, West Side Steps, and we packed that place with a bunch of Native Americans, a bunch of non-Native Americans, but with all the same purpose, protecting our Pomo homelands. Now, fast forward, I've been in, I think, six or seven meetings with Crowfoot, with the new director of CAL FIRE, and it seems as if we are trying to work in the same direction as only logging for ecological reasons. And... Crowfoot agreed to fund $10 million each year for, the next, for this year and next year's budget so they don't have to take, so they don't have to extract our, our redwoods to cover their budget. Now it's our goal to make sure that that funding's there. We've got to make sure Governor funds that from here on out because if you're logging to fund your budget, you're going to pick the oldest and the tallest and the best trees. It's just how it is. But if you're logging to... Make sure you manage the forest correctly, 
Well, now you're just, you know, a log in a tree here, a tree there, and you're, you probably have locals. That's what I'm pushing is to have locals come out, mill them out right there. I know people that want to do it. It's, it's good for the economy, for, for the locals. And, well, so we got the money, and then, then we have a commitment to say, okay, we won't log this 75 acres, and this is the Casper 500 that I was talking about earlier area. So we won't log this 500, this 75 acres. We'll take that off of the list of being cut, and we'll take the Gemini tree, and that's the one we're really protecting because it has a strategic protection as well as it's the one of the oldest trees out there. So they took that off the I call it the chopping list, you know, the cutting board. Or They took that off. So, hey, we're getting somewhere. If we didn't do this and the community didn't come out there and we didn't make it to sack, we wouldn't be at the table. So concessions are happening. We're figuring it out. It's a matter of how do we move forward with Casper 500 THP, Timber Harvest Plan, and Soda Gulch Timber Harvest Plan, and two others. But these are the two that are sold, and those are the two that we're really trying to figure out what is the solution to these before we start logging again. How do we resolve these solutions? Even with the with the uh, local mill, right? So we went out Friday to have a walk because we want to make it, we want to see if we could agree to allow the mill to remove logs that are already fallen so they could continue to work. And we did as a community. We got out there and we walked for about 10 hours. We were out there for all day. Well, maybe, I don't know, eight hours, I don't know. But we got out there, we walked all day. We did. Um, we showed them some areas of our concerns. I worry that there might be a hang up on that because what uh, Conway didn't tell us was they wanted to cut more corridors and create and rebuild a new road that just happens to run by a river uh, and so we're like well we're going to see how this works but we have the community involved in the negotiations to a local level not so much on the co-management and the and the uh in the higher level of government but on the local level to see if we could work out some specifics and see if we could have them move forward so that's kind of where we're pending right now as far as cal fire is um i think we we cal fire and Secretary Crowfoot and myself, we agreed that we wouldn't allow logging until we all agree that logging is going to happen or we walk away from the table, right? Because there might come a time where we can't agree. But I think, and I, I really like Crowfoot. I do. You know, uh, we have his attention. He's given us his attention. He's given us his concentration. He's focused. And we meet weekly with everybody, every, like the direct, the main people. It's amazing. It's pretty awesome. I've never really been in those. I've been in one or two or three, but not like seven weeks consecutive to where documents are, are advancing. It's it's uh it's fun. I love to keep up. I love to even take the lead. Once in a while, we take the lead because we're ahead. Sometimes they are because they have different solutions as well. But the real question is, can we come up to solutions with Casper 500 and Soda Gulch? So we could continue to work on the co-management details, the joint powers agreement, the government to government to how we're going to manage the force in the future. We're in that kind of predicament right now as a community is what are we willing to sacrifice in order to create a co-management agreement that rewrites the force management plan in a way to where there's no more logging for commercial use. And that's the game. 
That's the work. But a lot of details, writing, reading, you name it. And, you know, you're posturing. You're trying to figure out if you're being cornered in these negotiations. I think pretty much, though, I feel pretty good. Conway, though, he leaves some things out. So I go back to, he said, we just want to pull out fallen logs. And I know better than that. So I say, well, let me get the community together and see if they agree to what you're saying. So once we get out there, our community is educated. They're, they're knowledgeable. They know what's going on. They start asking questions about, well, is this the only place you're going to be pulling these logs up from? No, we have 10 more corridors to go. I think they call them, or uh, skid trails. And I'm like, Man, you didn't say that at the negotiations. You made it sound like all we're doing is pulling out logs so, so the mill could keep uh, working, have the employees keep working on some of these things that they've already bidded for, already purchased. And then find out, there's a road that they're going to rebuild. And you're like, come on, man. And I said, you didn't think about sharing that? He says, well, I just didn't think that was important. I didn't think it was important details to share. And I'm just like, no, that's a little bit too much of a coincidence. You know, it is what it is. But now I know that there's a guy in the room, and I think there's probably two in the room, that um, are playing their own story, their own game. They have their own in- um, initiative, I guess, if you will, to where they want to do what they want to do, and they're trying to keep it moving within the whole group that is negotiating. So that's a little bit worrisome, you know, when you have a guy across your table and two of them um, trying to get things approved with limited verbiage, but yet they're going to do more than that verbiage was there, and then they play ignorant. So I got to be on on my toes, but I got some good help, some good support. I'm excited. We're at the table. We're making it happen, right? And I wanted to know what some of the callers thought. Let's open up some of the lines. Okay, great. So we are live in the Ukiah studio. This is Pomo Perspective with Michael Hunter. The phone number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. And we're, we're, we're happy to take your calls live here now on the air. So we'll wait for that phone to ring. Yeah. So now what's the next step, right? The next step is always negotiating. How do we stay at the table till we're providing solutions so we could continue to get to the next week? If you stop providing solutions, it ends negotiations. So for me, I always have to make sure we always have solutions moving forward. And with such a big movement that we're doing, there's a lot of solutions to be had because there's a lot of bad things that happen in that forest. So as long as we're able to stay moving forward and come up with our own solutions, I think we'll have a really good forest. Unfortunately, it'll be in 100 years and none of us will see it. But that's the vision. That's vision, right? Well, and it is about time that some forest in Mendocino County got healed and and treated with respect and acknowledged the history of land use that's been done to it over the last 150 years you know it's these forests in many respects are bleeding they've been harvested Mm. and harvested again so looking at the 50,000 acres of Jackson with the eye toward healing and protecting the forest and bringing it back to some semblance of what it used to be and protecting the cultural sites that are there and acknowledging the history is really very exciting to a lot of us do you want to take a call Sure. All right. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. 
Okay, sorry, everybody. Um, it seems like the phone line isn't working. We can hear it here in the studio, but apparently you can't hear it over the air. So we're going to go ahead and um, go on without taking calls, I guess. Well, I had a lot of story to be told anyways. Is that what we're saying? You want me just to share more stories about what's happening? Yeah, or we can take emails, I guess, at yeah, DJ. Yeah, some emails. DJ Whatever. at org. Let me, let's talk about, we'll switch the conversation up then. Most people just want to call in and tell their story about what's happening anyways. They're not really interested in asking me a question. And that's okay, because they need to be heard too, and this is what this is for. So sometimes we have to have them call in and let you guys know it's not just us here in the booth that agree that Cal Fire's mismanaging our forests, that it is our whole community. And they're knowledgeable. Make no mistake, they could go on for hours because it's that crazy out there. Now, I wanted to, just for fun now, since we're not doing calls, I think about perspective on some of the questions I get asked by non-Native Americans. And I know that the questions are just ignorant because there's no bad intentions. Because when you're dealing in the environment, I mean, it's the most righteous people of all, right? So there's a lot of room for, we give a lot of room for tolerance, mistakes, and know that in order to advance our conversation, that we have to be able to feel free to ask questions. But sometimes people don't think long enough about their question and the words they're going to use. And I have to, because I know that my etiquette, where I was raised from the reservation, may not be okay with the group. But sometimes there's people that just don't mind their etiquette towards me. So one of the gentlemen says, we have a community meeting, one of the gentlemen says, I call it all BS, BS, I don't even know why, we just gotta, we just gotta go out there and stop them and just... And then every time I'd give a few more updates, I don't know, I don't know, we shouldn't be doing that. Let's just stay strong. We got to do this and that. And I'm like, man, bro, I didn't come over here to give, to hear you. I came over here to give an update and hear conversations about how to advance the conversation. Not because you can't think about more words to say and how to resolve issues. And so they say things like, well, I don't know. I think you might just be, be being used. I'm like, being used? I'm being used now. But these are all my buddies. So I'm like, huh, okay, being used. How do I respond to that one, being used by Cal Fire? And so I said, you know, I like to believe that I have my own story happening. And my own story includes Cal Fire, Crowfoot, and the locals. Matter of fact, Sir, I feel like I'm using you. You're the one that came to my meeting. So who's using who? But those kind of things, you know, it's kind of funky. It's kind of funky. These conversations are clunky. We're falling all over the place, but we're having fun getting there. But sometimes you're like, can you please just think a little bit longer before you use your words? Because I do. I think so much about it over and over. Like, how do I make sure this meeting and conversations go as great as they can. And they do. Trust me, they do. We love them. But some of these things that are said to me, I, one, one I heard was, and this was earlier in the conversation, but since we're just having fun right now, right? We're just having fun. Yeah. Okay. So 
are you guys going to build the casino there? Oh, yes. And, I, and I'm like, I exp- that's just a, a, a crazy question to me. I, in my mind, I'm like, who builds a casino where there's nobody? There's no infrastructure. You can't do water. You can't do roads. You can't do waste. You can't do anything. And, and then there's nobody there, and it's windy and cold, and it rains. Who, who, what, what are you talking about? Like, it just doesn't even make business sense. Does, does Home Depot open up out there? No, right? You know what I mean? I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense, some of these things I hear. And, uh, but they're fun. I'm not offended by them. They're fun for me. I feel like that professor, I was going to say teacher, but I feel like a professor. I went back to college at 40, you know, and saw so I had this whole different perspective on how teaching's being taught. And I'm watching the professor, and I'm like, what if I was the professor? How would I get these students engaged? Because you could tell nobody's engaged. Like 90% of the class is not engaged. Dude, my whole, my whole college life in Sonoma State, there's only about 10% of the students engaged because of the curriculum. It just blows my mind. I don't even know where I was going on that one. But, oh, so I'm being the professor. Right, like the ambassador or something. Yeah, so I'm trying to be that guy and teach. And how do I, what angles do I use to make sure we could continue moving forward? So those people that ask those ignorant questions, it's great. Because I want to answer those. So if nobody asks the ignorant questions, you don't really get to explain yourself to people that may not understand the topic we're talking so i really enjoy it. it's kind of weird you know it's like i'm supposed to be offended i'm not i'm enjoying it having a blast i don't know it's kind of it's 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 really fun the perspective i have is so fun well one of the things is that um the dominant culture is very ignorant about what Indian lives are like and what Indian culture, especially local Pomo culture, is like. So all the questions do sort of come from a place of ignorance because there's just no no knowledge there. It's like you don't even know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Me too. The first time I went and spoke over at that over at a rally over there, I seen all these facials looking at me and non non native facials looking at me. And I couldn't understand what those faces meant. Is my first that was the first audience, an environmental audience. And I think I read the room wrong a little bit. And as I started to move forward, I was asking my mother at a different rally. I said, Mom, what do you take? What's your take on these, on this community? And she says, they're very genuine. Very, very genuine. She didn't get any further than that because at that moment it was, wow, we never been around so many genuine non-natives. Genuine. Like they're curious about us. They're interested in us. That we have the same movement. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm with you. So the next time I went on that stage, I realized the faces that I was looking at in the rally before were just people interested. They're interested. I'm not used to non-Indians being engaged with Indians. We're only 3% of the population, you know? So they don't, most people really don't even think about Native Americans for the most part in their minds and even in their daily life, right? It's just not in there. Weekly, monthly, years, they probably go without even seeing anything Native American. So I understand um, the disconnect and why most people wouldn't be interested in us. But it was such a great feeling finding a group of people, of non-natives, that were just as interested in us as we are in saving the environment. It was, it's, a great, it's a great team. It's a great movement. We are learning so much from each other. Tolerance. We argue all the time. But remember, 
we're not arguing and cussing. We're arguing with words and how to advance words. And it does the majority agree with the way we, way we are writing these words so we can sign on to these documents in agreement. It's next level thinking, next level work. And we have a lot of good people putting the hard work in. I don't know, that was another story. What's another story? I'm on them all day today. I'm really curious if, if it's okay for me to ask. Yeah, uh, ask me an ignorant question. Ask <laughs> oh. me one of those questions that, that you go, did you just ask that? <laughs> I don't, <I> don't <laughs> want to ask you. Well, I mean, can I ask you, you something? You don't want to be known for that. And, well, I mean, I've, I've learned so much from you over the last two and a half years doing the show. I feel like, you know, all of the questions have been pretty ignorant because I just don't know, you know, and I'm glad that you are open to answering them and having that, you know, being big enough to answer ignorant questions about your work and your culture and your people is, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's intriguing. I enjoy it because I'll answer that question way better the next time. And when it comes up, I'm able to answer it and that people will say, man, you have, you, you, you have such great responses. And I'm saying, cause they're thoughtful. I've heard them. I didn't give the right answer the first time, but I've been working on those answers, mm -hmm. you know? Well, can, so I'm curious about your negotiations with Crowfoot. Yeah, this back to the great guy, Crowfoot, who I, I still haven't met him. I know, but he's becoming really my buddy. I like the guy. He's becoming um, my buddy. Uh, so what, my, what I'm curious about is like what aspects of co-management are you guys negotiating like what do you, what does coyote valley want in the co-management agreement and what kinds of things are they okay with and what kinds of things are they not like right let's think about this on a uh a, maybe a hierarchy so if you're looking at organizational chart maybe a corporate chart there's different levels of authorities uh, the one document that we have to rewrite is the called the forest management plan well, what we're saying as government to government is that draft, that draft that's going to be rewritten for the forest management plan must be written by Coyote Valley and the state. If the state wants to do it, we'll write it too. Must that, that first draft that goes out has to be written by us. So they're making comments on our doc, not us making comments on their documents. Because then that's not government to government. That's the government to community, right? So the joint powers agreement outlines and the co-management agreement outlines how we're going to move forward on rewriting the forest management plan. We don't even know what's going to go in that forest management plan yet, but we're put, working on the terms, the government co-management agreement between Coyote Valley and the state to say, how are we going to rewrite that document? How do we move forward? on rewriting that document together. So you mean you guys are negotiating the, the process of what co-management looks like, but not you're not to the details of like what the environmental principles or the cultural principles are yet? Right. What authorities do we have? Got it. Because we've seen, you know, verbiage is different. If you write something, we could read it differently. So we need to make sure that not only are we participating in the writing process, but we're pre participating in the verifying we're participating in making sure that it got done correctly. And then we want to make sure that we have authorities to say, hey, wait, this isn't what we all agreed to on that verbiage. Here's a stop. And now, whatever that verbiage we put in our joint powers agreement, our co-management agreement, we say, here's how we stop it. And then we go back to our group and meet again to see if this is how we read this particular piece or this particular paragraph in this force management plan. So for us, it's a matter of saying, how do we integrate Coyote Valley, the government to government to it, to where we're 
in the process from the permitting all the way up from the bottom up to the top for approval. And then also when you doing that document makes it to the top that we have somebody there with co co-management and uh, co co-authorities to be able to say, yeah, this document should move forward. This is a really big change for Cal Fire, who um, the state owns the land, but Cal Fire manages it as if they own it. They write the timber harvest plans and they approve them and then they get the money for them. Um, and so to have to have Coyote Valley in there overseeing and looking at what they're doing. You were talking about Kevin Conway not even really being upfront about the the real plans for the Casper 500 Timber Harvest Plan, and you keep finding out more work that they're going to do there. They're not used to having anyone watching them or having any authority to stop them. No. They're, <clears throat> they fall back on the law, and I just say there's so many things in this forest management plan that you could focus on, but your number one tool is to focus on logging. And when you focus on logging as a number one tool, you create, you utilize all this other verbiage in these documents to make what you're doing legal. And when you do that kind those kind of things, just things don't turn out good at all. You have to have different lens, a different perspective. You have to come from, from an economic, I mean, from a ecological standpoint at this point in our forest. Remember, everything's clear-cutted. So the force that you see is 40 years. And then you see some, some older growth in there. But I'll just give you an example. I say, I asked Conway what his vision was for a certain area we were looking at that had a lot of clear cutting. And then he tells me this vision, how it's going to look. It doesn't look like that. It's clear cut. And I say, well, when does that happen? Oh, that's 20 to 30 years. And I'm saying, yeah, that's not a vision. You put a tree in your backyard, let it grow for 20 years. Watch how big it's going to be right? 20 years you plan on coming back, which means you're going to come back and cut the older ones and leave the younger ones and pretend as if you're building a forest. I'm like, bro, there's already a forest there. You don't cut down the forest to build a forest, right? You leave the forest that's there and you go put your time and energy and work on the forest that isn't there and rebuild that one. They want to log first and rebuild after they log that area. Just makes no sense. Just makes no sense. But that's why we have to work hard for a co-management agreement. It'll be the first of its kind. This is We're going to make history. And that's why I'm in it to win it. Because that's why I'm willing to be at the table, read every night, and negotiate weekly, and come up with strategies to make sure we're always ahead of the game. Because we're making history. And everybody that's involved in this, including you, Alicia, good work, and everybody that's out there, we made it happen. We weren't at the table. You know what's going to bug me, though, is I know McGuire and Wood and Huffman are going to come across later on and be standing in the same pictures with all us. And They are. Yeah. They, to they are going to take credit for it. Act like they did it behind the <laughs> scenes. I was doing it behind the scenes. What? No. Well, you didn't even give us a call. Well, they could. They could play a role. What role would they play at this point, though? Uh, like, th like supporting you? I mean, I have a question about... Here, here, if, you, if, if the community, if you want them to support us, it's the same initiative we wrote. We want a moratorium, which means a pause. We can even say a pause, a pause on logging until we agree to a co-management agreement. And that, and that pause, there's no logging until, wait, let me get this right. We want a moratorium, a pause on logging. And before they cut, before they log Casper 500 and Soda Gulch. So that's the goal. We want to pause on it before that. So if Senator McGuire, Wood, and Huffman want to 
to speak up. That's great, but I, I doubt they will. You know, even Huffman left me a message saying, well, I just don't know. I'm federal. I'm congressman. And I'm like, bro, what federal government, tribe, state agency, isn't it your job to bridge that relationship? What are you, who are you representing federally then? Like, what? It just makes no sense. But I, I know they mean well. They mean well. But they want to clock out at 5, go eat, enjoy the family, have children, get married, and not work weekends. And I'm like, you, sh- you should have picked, should have been a different um, career. Well, like you said, you're making history, right? So maybe they're not quite sure. You know, it's, they don't really like to take risks, do they? They're not sure how they're how their election, how their next election's going to go. Yeah. So I started saying, write me in. So here you go, you guys. (laughs) Write me in. And and I'm not registered to win this election, but let's just show them. Write Michael Hunter. (laughs) Write Michael Hunter in, in the spot where you, the assembly member Wood is running and Senator McGuire. Huffman will let him go. We'll let him go. He's off the hook. He's just a cool cat. You know, he's just, he's just not as helpful as he used to be in his day but who is in the retirement age you know it's these young guys are coming up that i expected more of write me in so watch, watch us watch us just i want to take boats away from him just to let him know i was upset go on my facebook join me on facebook and then click like and comment on that and just to let them know because they do pay attention to my my facebook just so you guys know if you comment on there they'll read it they'll see they'll see what's hot and what's not so you'll, you're going to be a write-in candidate for the state Senate and the state assembly. Yeah, write me in. <laughs> state, yeah, yeah, write me in. Yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think if we had put our name in early, we might have won. No, I don't know. We could win Mendocino County, but I don't think we could win Humble and Santa Rosa. You know, That's why they never visit Mendocino County. You notice that? They don't participate in our politics here because their real, their, their real votes are... For McGuire and Wood are really, you know, Hillsburg, Santa Rosa. They just have a higher population. So I understand why they don't want to be out here, you know. But why come out here and do a classroom with 10 kids? Oh, my God. You know, I don't know. That's the difference between a politician and a leader, right? A politician has to compromise all the way up until they get to the top. That's the, A leader has to grab a specific issue and champion it. I guess that's just the difference. But I thought our politicians were leaders. I'm just old school. I grew up with old school politicians, and they were leaders. This new age, this new generation, they just want to do pie-eating contests and raise money. Like, they really did a pie-eating contest. Yes, and they're all faces eating it, laughing and raising money. I don't know. What kind of pie? I don't care. You'll never see me doing a pie contest. Humble pie. <laughs> You'll never see me Grow. in a pie contest. Yeah. No, I don't know. If you guys can raise money for Pomo Land back, like thousands and thousands and thousands, I might do a pie eating contest. Okay, we heard it here. Thousands first. and thousands and thousands. Well, hopefully, hundred and fifty thousand, yeah. like you did on your show. We didn't have to eat any pie. Show. Yeah, no, and you we, didn't have to eat. No, we, no, no. People just were really excited about about the um, the project, about well, the new building. Eating pie was probably, it was probably uh, the right, the right fit for a fundraiser. You just got to eat pie all the time. It was a fit. I was like, yeah, you guys should just be eating pie. That's what you guys do. You just eat pie. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Pomo Perspective. Michael Hunter in the house. I'm Alicia Bales, live on the controls. And um, there's an event coming up on June 11th. Yeah. 
who who's hosting that? It's like the I think it's the Mendocino Trail Stewards, and it's um called it's called the Casper Forest Fest. It's at the Casper Community Center on June 11th, and it'll have lots of speakers and uh, music, lots of music, and it's all about Mama racing. Funk. We'll have Mama a shout out to Ui. Yeah. yeah, Mama Grows Funk. We'll have a shout out to Ui and her band. They rock it too. They're great. They're a dancing band. That's what I like about them. We'll do music for fundraisers. Yeah. Fundraisers, not pie eating contests. Yeah, and we sing it ourselves. Yeah. Just so you guys know, we got a we we got an eclectic large group of people. But we also have the Mendocino Film Festival the week before. So on the fifth, we're going to be sharing our um, a, a seven eight minute documentary piece that was done for us. That includes a lot of the Native Americans and the spiritual aspects, the cultural aspects of our perspective. You can see that on pomolandback.com and the videos on there. So we're going to be speaking about that. My mom's going to be there. It's fun. I dig that stuff. Come on, Alicia. Keep leading me. I'm ready. Well, that um, the video is amazing. It's really amazing. It's got lots of footage of the cultural gatherings out at the Casper 500 and just gorgeous filmmaking. Do you know who made it? Yeah. Evan Marie played a big role in it. Um and there's a few others. I wish you didn't ask me that. I didn't know all the names. Okay. I'm supposed to know these things, but I don't know <laughs> these things. I know Michael Hunter and Priscilla Hunter are starring with Frankie Myers from Yurok. Those are pretty cool people. Yeah, the Yurok. Oh, man. They were, they were awesome in that He's video. knowledgeable. Very um, knowledgeable. So I have another maybe hard, hardish question for you. It's about the Jackson Advisory Group. They appointed a Native American. Is this JAG? Yeah, the JAG. Uh, the, it's like the, the group of people who advise cal fire on what to do in in um jackson state but they don't have any like real authority to to make them do anything but they they put a a native american dino reno reno oh not dino reno on yeah. on the jag yeah reno franklin chairman reno, of kashaya he was on your been show on this show a couple of times yeah he's, he's great a fireman well, he's great He's engaged, he's educated, he's knowledgeable. He's he he's great and to have him on there is a great move for us. And uh I think when Cal Fire appointed it, I thought it was a great move for them, but they didn't realize that's my brother. So he already messaged me and said, Hey, let us know what we have to do. We gotta do this together. Let's make it happen. So we're on the same page. We got this. He's awesome. Yeah, he is. He's he cool. knows what's going on. Yeah. And he's now the tribal chairman at Kashaya. Yeah, yeah. He was that before when I interviewed him. He was emeritus, but he's been reelected. Right. They have terms, so you could only run for so many years. And so his brother ran, Dino, and became the chairman, and then he came again. Great brothers, great work they do in the community as well. Yeah, he's a, a firefighter. When I interviewed him, he was just coming off the, I think, Mendocino Complex fire. No, no, no. One of the fires last summer. And he had been in the woods. Like, he'd been out on the front lines fighting fires and observing the way that um, the fire was at forests that have been so mismanaged. And he has also been working on cultural burning practices and was talking about the traditional ecological knowledge. And, and I mean, it's just... If they actually give Reno a voice on the Jag, it could be exciting. But oh, Reno, Reno's, he doesn't ask for a voice. He's a leader, right? Good point. He knows how to steer a group. He knows how to uh, navigate and and get a group going in the direction that they need to be going in. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to have him there. Sometimes you could get leaders that are more participating, but Reno's more of a, a leader that leads. And, and that's the style we need for this particular issue that we're facing right now so do you expect cal fire to start logging again in casper 500 and soda gulch i 
expect, well, let's say the expectations are to come to an agreement to where we can allow some logging in these in these uh, THPs in Casper 500 and Soda Gulch to see if the community, tribe, and Cal Fire and Secretary Crowfoot could come up with a solution. And that's the work we're going towards. I don't know if that's the case, but we agreed that that that's what we have to work towards and that we cannot log in Casper 500 or the other THPs while we're doing these negotiations. They agreed that it would be bad faith if we were to do that. There's no way. And as, as they said, and you can't be out there, pro me, I, they don't want me out there protesting at the same time, right? So it makes sense. And I told them there's no reason for me to protest as long as you guys aren't logging, you know. But there's a lot of work to do. Can we get there? I hope so. Wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think so. I think we're the closest we've ever been, state and tribes and community, into closest we've ever been in, to making sure we rewrite that forest management plan so the forest is managed for ecological, not economics. There are kind of a couple of plans that you're talking about. One of them is the, or two of them are the timber harvest plans in Casper 500 and Soda Gulch. And then th what you're talking about, this management plan is actually an overarching plan that covers the whole 50,000 acres. There's also this mandate from the state, right? That they keep pointing to. Well, this is our mandate. We have to manage we have managed this land for commercial logging demonstration, and that's what our mandate is. Is that something that you guys are renegotiating yes. this mandate? Yes, that's the that won't happen now. That happens in the later on because we have to negotiate the joint powers and the co-management, which gives us these authorities, more authorities, right? And then we will go down and negotiate that forest management plan. And yes, the number one topic will not be logging. It just cannot be anymore. At one time it could be, but when you extract all of your resources and send them outside of California and all over the world and then wonder why you don't have anything left to cut, it's called lack of vision. That's called Conway vision, 20, 30-year vision. can't think like that. We've got to think 100 years, 200 years. And if, and if, and if the industry was thinking like that back in before they started clear-cutting everything, there would be, there'd be enough to go around for a very long time. Unfortunately, that's not how this county works. We like to industrialize our lands first and then figure out how to fix them. The one that really cracks me up the most, though, is, is how so many people talk about the environment and things we have to do for global warming, but those same people ignore the movement that is actually doing the most to protect our community, our environment, our waterways, our, you know, Mendocino County could play one of the largest roles in the United States because we have these redwoods, we have these old Douglas firs, we have these old trees that, 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 that bring in carbon sequestration and we are cutting them. And when you're doing that, why work on the car, the electric car, if you're gonna cut this resource, the only resource that naturally takes in and cleans out your, the, the air you, you're breathing in. It's wild to me. I honestly think that people just, by and large, do not make the connection between logging and climate change. I honestly think people Why? just don't get it that these big trees... Well, I, I think that the timber industry has done a really good job of 
putting out the message that logging is going to help with fires um, and that fires are going to be terrible and everybody's going to die and so we need to log and I just think that it's in, in many ways it's just more complicated and people don't want to do the research to to find out that no actually logging is a huge a deforestation not only does it destroy watersheds and fisheries but it also releases huge amounts of carbon and it eliminates the ability of that forest to sequester carbon it otherwise would have sucked out of the air so it's like a double hit right. on carbon um, it's really forests are a huge uh, promise in helping us turn around the worst effects of climate change, but people just don't get it. And so I really feel like that's a big place where we need to do more sort of simplifying and explaining and more education about that. Connection with the land is important. When uh, I've always played in the forest and played in the land and had a good time. It wasn't until I started walking that forest a couple years ago, <clears throat> during COVID probably the most, and spending four or eight hours out there by myself and connecting as a pomo you know with my land out there and learning scientific terms and what i see the most in my community is people not connected to the land and that worries me the most because i see a lot of our children dying from opioids alcohol um diet diabetes sickness and i know for a fact that being out in those woods is what needs to happen for my Pomo people. Because I know you get exercise when you're out in the woods, you eat cleaner foods, and you're connecting and you're you're connecting with the earth, with with redwoods that fed upon our people when they died. Let me give you an example. I'll call this traditional land management. People think traditional land management is different and spiritual connection for Native Americans into the woods. We have a spiritual connection, but the spiritual connection to me is different than traditional land management and that kind of connection. See, I believe if my people were out in those woods for thousands and thousands of years, that when you die, they buried them there. They didn't have the boxes. They didn't have the concrete. So actually, you're buried in the ground, and as you die and you decompose, your body turns into nutrients really literally turns into nutrients and it's those bodies that help participate in feeding these these, these forests you're dying you're decomposed life begins again and when you have those redwoods that are 300 400 thousand years old and my people thousand died out there for many 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 thousands of years I believe that's why our people call our redwoods our relatives because they're the eldest trees because our nutrients from our body actually feed the trees, feed the environment, feed the uh, the forest out there. And when you have the oldest trees there, man, it feels like my nutrients from my elders scientifically are a part of that tree and they're the eldest the, the eldest living form out there. It's the closest I'm getting to my people on time travel, if you will. Because when I'm sitting there, I know for a fact that people, my people died in this area. And I know for a fact that your body turns into nutrients. And I know for a fact, after that, life grows. So when you see trees, you see plants, it's from the nutrients. So for me, I have a different connection. But I just started learning this connection, just started studying this connection. And now my goal is to figure out how do I get my Pomo people out to these woods? It's really, really hard. It's, it's not hard. 
It's difficult understanding the the level of I don't it's hard to explain because remember the community that's defending the trees out there live there right the Pomo people did live there the landowners live there the Pomo people don't live there because their land's not there anymore so imagine natives out there protecting other people's backyards that you'll never get to live in as a whole. And people go, no, you will. I can see it. And I'm like, it takes money to buy land. You have to manage land. You have to have credit. You have to do a lot of different things. And it could be hard. It's, it's, it's mind boggling for me to figure that out. You know, like I work through that a lot. And then I'm the one that has to have the highest level of tolerance, right? It's hard. It's a struggle that I have, but I'm going to work on it and I'm going to try to figure out how to get our people out those forests because to me, that's where the real living starts. Yeah. That's my traditional land management, POMO. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I've been talking about this for a while, you know, and learning about it. And I truly believe it because I thought, you know, there's that spiritual connection for sure, but I refuse to believe that it's just a, 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 something in the air just something in our minds and, and i'm like no no there's really scientific my people were very very intelligent people they managed these forests for thousands of years you're telling me they didn't understand what they were doing you know it's i don't know and well, then my people came here and destroyed it in 150 years well not your people well people that look like you yep white supremacists that benefit me you know the racist power structure benefits me so I guess they're not literally my people. My ancestors didn't do it, but literally, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know what it does? Because I used to say they or you or white people all the time because that's how it's been in Indian country. Let's be real. This county has not helped Coyote Valley. They terminated us in 1957 so they could build Lake Mendocino. And then when we tried to build homes, they put a moratorium on water so we couldn't even expand homes. And then this last round, that the last 29 homes we built, we had a fight for our water just so we could build homes. Think about that. This, the county board of supervisors opposed us uh, putting our land in the trust that's right connected to us just so they could get us to the table to talk about something else, a road. I don't even know what it was. It's just, it's just a constant uh, battle for Native American leaders. And we're trying to bridge that. The problem is, bridges. The bridge only goes one way, you know. But we're only three percent of the population, so I understand why the other the bridge doesn't come back towards our way. Well, I mean, there's a reason you're only three percent of the population. You used to be a hundred percent of the population, so the bridge the bridge should certainly come back the other way. It seems like. Think about this. There, what is there? Six percent of old growth left. Less. Less I think than it's about three percent. The same as the Native Americans. Now, let's put this story to just have some fun with this story. When they were killing the Native Americans and making us extinct and taking us out of those redwoods in 1850 and terminating my reservation in 1950s, um, where were, where were the progressives? Where were the environmentalists? Where were the liberals? They didn't help my people. Right. I've never heard. Sto I've heard stories of uh, settlers who were sympathetic or who spoke the language or who tried to be a go-between, but never of a movement of settlers who were trying to stop what was going on. Right. And and but there's a movement to save the old growth for three percent, the three percent left of old growth. And I dig that. I dig that. 
But can you imagine knowing that nobody from another race and not enough people for us to notice or even help were there to stop the government from removing us in 1950s? But yet we're out there trying to stop the clear cutting in their backyards. You know, I know. I understand why why uh, my mother, Native American country, um, it, it's hard to come up with empathy for the other side and still do the good work. But when you're doing environmental work, you're able to get through that and figure those frustrations out. Well, that's why tribal leadership and leadership in the environmental movement by people of color and the environmental justice movement is so important because environmental movement has a lot of things wrong by not grappling with the racist history of land use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about getting some of that land back in JDSF and that 10%. There's a, there's a, a movement for people to give their lands back to their tribes for 10, 10% of the state forest. Now, do we get where the redwoods are, where the parks are, where the trails are, where it's all nice, where you have campsites, or do we get outside of that? You know, that's where I go. I bet you even the community that I'm helping lead wouldn't want us to have their Casper 500 because they want to ride their trails. And I get it. I get it. But imagine, imagine how much I have to step back and not say those kind of things. Because I know it's in the bed of the movement to have all of us together. So, yeah, we'll go for the 10%, and it probably won't be the areas where they maintained it for their community. They'll just give us 10%. We have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's already cut, damaged. We're coming to an end here. This was great. This was great. I wish we would have had a chance to hear some callers, though. I know. Well, but, we'll get the phone. I wish they would ask questions. I, I wish they were interested in Native Americans. Instead, they want to get on and tell their story. And it's like, I know, I'm trying not to be frustrated, but are you not interested in us? Think about that when you guys call in. Right. We got one minute left. One minute. Yeah, you want to wrap it up? Yes. So I believe not not next monday i'll have my next meeting with crowfoot and and cow fire and we'll we'll find out how this meeting went that we just had friday out in the woods on whether we're going to allow them to move some logs it's all about will they be cutting more to remove those logs making new roads to remove those logs that's kind of where we're at but the community's at the table they're negotiating they're talking this is their opportunity to see what kind of deal they can close as well We'll see. It's going to be fun. And people can find out more by following your Facebook, by coming to the June 5th Mendocino Film Festival event, and by coming to the Casper Forest Fest on June 11th? I think so. I think um, I know my mom's going to be there at the Casper for June 11th. Okay. And I might be there. Depends on how much fun it is. (laughs) It's all about a party, baby. Ain't nothing but a party, baby. All right. Well, this has been Pomo Perspective with Michael Hunter. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. And we are going to send you back now to the Philo Studio. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.